Hi, this is Aiden Mann. I'm an advocate for the transgender community, and you are listening to Level Playing Field. Hey, welcome back to Level Playing Field. My name is Randy Boos, and I'm your host. This is my podcast where I speak to people who are LGBTQ and involved in sports. I have been off a lot the last few months. I know, you know, with the coronavirus going on, struggling with mental health. And and it's been interesting for me because, one, I've been working. I've been making money, and I've been working a lot. But also the last few months, I've had a breakthrough in a lot of my mental baggage I've had in my past. And so while I know a lot of people are struggling, I am actually feeling the best I have in a long time. And I have learned a lot about myself, and I think my interviews are going to go a little bit different starting with this one that you're about to hear. I hope you guys are all staying safe. I hope you are managing through some dark times. I I am glad to be back. I should create episodes weekly again for a while until I take a summer break. But let's get to this episode. This episode is with Aiden Mann. Aiden is transgendered. I first saw him on TikTok, which is where I've been spending a lot of my time when not at work. I've stayed away from Twitter just because it, it's just such a negative space right now. Twitter tends to be negative sometimes anyways. And just with the coronavirus, it seems like it's gotten darker. So that's a choice I've made. But so on TikTok, there are things that interest me. There are dog posts, which is how I found Aiden. There's thirst. There's gay TikTok. There is inspirational there are sad but it's just a fun time for me if you're on it i'm sure you see the fun as well aiden though first came to my or my tiktok page when he had a post and he shared a video of how he wakes up his blind and deaf dog plum plum is a sweet dog and he tells a story on how he got him we obviously go into his uh transition uh, what it was like for him, how he was playing sports, and and how um, sexuality and gender sort of came together and form his story. I hope you enjoy this episode. It was nice to talk with Aiden. He's an awesome guy. Follow him on Instagram, TikTok. He gives his, where you can find him at the end, I also have it in the show notes. But without further ado, here is my chat with Aiden Mann. Welcome, Aiden, to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing well myself. Thank you. I found you because of the awesome time waste of TikTok. And with this COVID-19 thing, it's been just a lot of fun. And I've it sort of shooed me away from Twitter and Instagram because I spend more time with TikTok now. We'll get to all of that in a minute. Before we go into your TikTok videos and, and who you are, I want to really find out who you were before TikTok. So um, obviously you were identified female at birth, but since then you've transitioned. And I want to talk about that process for you. What was the first indication for you that you remember that you weren't in the, you weren't in the right gender, I guess is a stupid way to ask the question, but (laughs) no, no, I get what you're saying. Um, So honestly, I go back way, way, way back to when I was, 
maybe even like six or seven years old. My brother, who is three years older than me, and my cousin, who is also a male, <clears throat> was year, a year older than me. And so they were my closest relatives, and we always hung out. And I always wanted to do everything just like them. I wanted to be able to stand up and pee outside just like a male would do. Um, I wanted to um, have the short hair like guys. And then, of course, once we started to mature, they got the deeper voice and the broader shoulders. And I always wanted that, too. Um, and even growing up. I always beg my mom, let me cut my hair short like a short like a boy. Let me do this like a boy. I want to do that like a boy. Like I always ask my mom, and my mom just thought it was just because I wanted to be a tomboy. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be the feminine female and wear the makeup and the dresses. Like I even told my mom that like devils were the dresses or <clears throat> dresses were the devil when I was growing up. Like I, I hated dressing feminine. And then I think a big thing that my sister even brought up when I came out to her as trans is I think when I was six five or six, and then my brother was obviously three years older, we played on the same baseball team. And my mom finally let my let me cut my hair short. And we, me and my brother both had our baseball uniforms on. And um, so I had the hat on, so you could, couldn't really tell. Um, obviously we were younger, so like I didn't have a chest or whatnot. And me and my brother were walking around with my mom and my sister, and some lady stops me, stops my mom and looks at me and my brother and we're like oh like that's such cute twin boys you have and my sister said I lit up I was so excited that somebody thought I was a boy I was just like it was like the best day ever when I was a kid my sister could just tell that I was just like so excited and of course my mom like correct her and she's like oh no like this one's actually a girl and of course I crushed my dreams but um I mean as far back as I can remember honestly like I've always known that like something wasn't right and then kind of through middle school was obviously that awkward phase of still being a girl, but then not really being into guys like other girls really are. And my crushes on guys were more so like, oh, I want a body like them, not, or I want to be them, not so much I want to be with them. Oh yeah. Um, and then kind of the same through high school. And then in high school is when I pretty much came out as lesbian thinking that my feelings towards guys like that just meant that I was only into girls and so I was like okay well maybe I'm just a lesbian like that's maybe that's what it is and then in college and I want to say it wasn't until my sophomore year that I actually found out about the trans community that there are actually other people out there that felt the same way that I did and that it was something that's okay to feel and that it was a possibility to become a male like for like my whole life I didn't even think it was a, a possibility until college um, and then unfortunately, I was on a Division One scholarship for basketball in college. And so if I were to start my transition, I would have to give up my scholarship. I would have to quit. I wouldn't have to quit school, but I'd have to start paying for school and whatnot. And so, of course, that kind of delayed my start of my transition because I had to finish out my college basketball years. Um, but then once I was done, once I graduated uh, and kind of came out as trans to my fan, my friends and family, um, and then it pretty much was like, all right, this is what I need. This is what I'm going to do. And then I kind of just took that leap and started my transition. I want to back up a little bit because when you're younger, pre-puberty, it's easier for you to, I guess more importantly for you inwardly to just feel like a boy because Uh you could, you can do the the visual, you know, the shorter haircut and, and stuff like that. Once puberty starts though, how does it affect your mental health? I mean, you said you would later find out about what a trans person is, you know, in your late teens, but early on did it affect you in a way that maybe made things tougher for you um it definitely made things confusing um lucky for me um even as a kid like obviously before puberty like my mom would let me ride around on my bicycle shirtless 
um because i didn't really have a chest yet and so from then like i was loving that um because obviously i was just like one of the guys riding around on my bike without a shirt on because it was hot outside um but when lucky like again like i said lucky for me i i was small chested um so even after hitting puberty like i really didn't have much of a chest um and then my period actually didn't start till I was like late 16, early 17 year old. Um, very, very late when it came to starting my period and kind of growing a chest and uh, didn't even really have hips. Um, but just with growing a little bit of chest that I did have and then having the period each month. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know any girl that likes having their period, <laughs> but um for me, I feel, I feel it was a different dislike. It wasn't just like, oh, like my period here again. Great. Mm -hmm. Like I just have to deal with it. It was like, this isn't supposed to be happening for me. Like I'm not supposed to be going through this. I'm not supposed to have these things on my chest. Like this is not normal. This is not okay. And I think, um, like I said, most females, they kind of just dislike having a period, but like it would mentally break me down yeah. when I have had a period because like that, it was not meant for me. That was not normal for me. This it was not okay. Um, so yeah, definitely took a, a mental toll on me anytime any of the, like I would get my period or like my chest would grow. But like I said, I was blessed that I didn't really have much of a chest and my periods were short, but just the simple fact that either of those happened, it was just like a, a punch to the gut um, for my mental health. It's interesting. I'm not a scientist at all, but I believe our brain is so powerful and we're we have so much to learn about how our brains operate and how they, what they do to our body. But it, it's almost like your brain was protecting you in a way with the late start for puberty and all that stuff. Right. No, I 100% agree that if that could have anything to do with it, my body, my brain was like, you know, you're a male. Yeah. I'm going to try to like extend this time period of you enjoying what you're doing now without all of these female things happening to you. Um, and then I want to even say, pre-T, like, so pre-transitioning, and when I got my blood work done, I want to say that, if I can remember correctly, the nurse even said that I had a higher amount of testosterone in my body than most females were, uh, did, and that's really? why I, yep, that's why I didn't have, like, that's why it kind of took so long for my period to start, that's why I kind of really didn't grow much of a chest, really didn't have any hips, um, I would even, I was even growing, like, dark, thick hairs from my chin before I even started testosterone. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so, in kind of a fact, like, I don't know if this is true or anything like that, but like, it, it kind of makes me feel like, obviously this was who I was supposed to be. Like my body was trying, like, obviously I had like the extra testosterone. My body knew, my mind knew. It's yeah. just, I was just not made that way. Yeah. For whatever reason, what was sports like for you? I mean, you, you talked about basketball and playing uh, college basketball. Did that cause, right. did that make it harder for you to have to deal with this? And then you're playing on a girl's team. And when I was younger, I actually played, um, boys baseball first first mm -hmm. I d didn't even play uh, female sports when I was because there was no girls baseball when I was however young I think I, I don't know when I was like three or four years old like super young um, <clears throat> I think I played boys baseball until I was like seven or eight um, and then I think that's also kind of what triggered like this is where I belong this is these are my people like um, I, and I would always go over to guys house and this that and the other and then like when I got older and I still wanted to go spend the night at a guy's house, my mom was like, nope, like you can't, you can't do that. Like that. And I never understood why. Cause I'm like, why he's my friend. Like he's a guy, mm -hmm. I'm a guy. Like, I don't, I don't get it. But now looking back, obviously she was like, well, because you're a girl and he's a guy and like, he can't do that. Um, but um, playing softball. I mean, I enjoyed sports growing up always, but like I always, like I said, I always felt like I belonged 
and men's sports. I always wanted to play um, men's football every time in PE. If we'd be like outdoor stuff, like obviously the girls would like walk around the track or they'd be like playing other sports. And I was like, nope, I'm going to go play football with the guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> and high school wasn't so bad um, because like high school was that point where I was like, well, maybe I'm just I'm like lesbian. So I kind of accepted myself as lesbian at that point. So like high school wasn't that bad. But then college, um, I started to get those urges like I want to cut all my hair off. I want to look like a guy. I want to sound like a guy. I want to feel like a guy. Um, especially with being on a full ride scholarship, but I know I couldn't. I went to a strict Christian school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, just being LGBT was kind of frowned upon. And I even talked to my coach. I was like, hey, I kind of want to cut all my hair off. And they actually told me no, and that I was not allowed to um, because it would have made a look a bad look on the um, school and on the basketball team itself. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And then it was just a lot of hiding myself not being able to be who I wanted to be, not being able to look how I wanted to look because of other people and wanting the acceptance of other people um, and making sure that things went smoothly in my life um, when it came to sports um, and in college. What came first? You, you knowing you were a guy and admitting to yourself and, and starting to admit to other people or the transition part of it? Like, because did you already know you were a guy before you started the medical transitioning? Oh, 100 percent. Like I like I said, if a young age, I knew I felt like I was in the wrong body. Um, it's just that it wasn't until college that I learned that it was a possibility to get put in the right body. Um, I it was actually a buddy of mine named Jordan. Um, he was transgender himself and um kind of met up with him one day and I was like, Hey, like, I kind of want to sit down and want to talk to you about something. And I kind of, kind of came out to him and I was like, look, like I've always kind of felt this way growing up. These were, these are the things that happened in my life. And this was my thought process and everything. And he kind of looked at me and he was like, I'm not gonna lie, man. Like I kind of went through the same thing. I had the same feelings. I had the same thoughts. I like hated the way I looked and this, that, and the other. And he kind of was just like, I can't tell you that you're trans he was like but from what you're telling me we've had similar experiences and from what you're saying it sounds like you know what's right for you you just kind of have to make that decision of like yes I'm going to do it or you can try to like swallow it and like keep it down but he was like eventually it's going to come up and eventually like it's going to drive you crazy until you finally do what makes you happy you know I'm thinking that you know you you really thought about it or or started hearing about trans when you were like 19 you said well, yeah, you I'm are pretty, like, yeah, 19, 20. You're pretty young, right? You're in your 20s still? I'm uh, 25, yes. So I'm horrible at time. Like, I don't remember. But I want to say about five years ago, there was a he, male model, trans, who um, had a campaign on men's health. I think his name, I think you pronounce his first name as Aiden. He's on Instagram as Aliens Fear. Okay. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and... So this was a big campaign, and um, it's interesting, though, that I guess for me it's interesting that it took so long to to realize the trans community was out there for you. But right. I come from a time when, you know, I'm 45, and things were a lot different back then when I was your age. So I guess right. I'm, still, I'm still learning that, you know, even though we are so accepting now for a lot of people, it still is new to be this open about it. Right. Um, well, not only that, but I think it also depends depends on your upbringing. Um, if you're around that kind of stuff, then obviously it's because like I I hadn't even met 
a lesbian and really like an out lesbian or comfortably out lesbian until I, I got to high school. Um, <clears throat> it was just a lot of the people that I hung out around or a lot of places that I would go, it was a lot of don't ask, don't tell, um, especially oh, okay. being a trans, like someone who's transgender. Um, and so even today, I've had multiple people like tell me they're like, hey, like it's cool what you're doing because like I've never met someone who is transgender or I've never seen somebody's transition. And um, unfortunately, it is a lot of society is the reason why so many of the transgender community kind of stay in hiding. They'll do their transition and then completely delete their old social media. They'll delete anything and everything that has to do with their old selves and then just be the guy that they've become and then have no trace of being transgender because of they're afraid of the backlash that they're going to receive um, or the hate or the threats or being or like getting fired from jobs or not being hired for jobs or this, that, and the other. And so I think that's a, a big thing of it is it's not only that it's not so much that it's not common that there's like transgender people out there. It's just because there are so many people that are afraid to be who they are and be proud of who they are because of how society sees and treats the transgender community. Yeah. And we'll get to your advocacy in a little bit and your social media presence um, because you are open with it on there. But I could see where someone would want to keep it quiet and not mention it because you're a guy, you look at your photos, you're a very fit guy. And so if you didn't tell people, nobody would know. Right. Um, but what was it like when you started telling your family and friends and, and you started the process for transitioning? So <clears throat> the first person I came out to in my family was actually my older sister. She's about 10 years older than me. And when I like everything that I've come out of as I've, she's been the first one when I came out as uh, lesbian, she was the first one. When I came out as like transgender, she transgender, she was the first one. Uh, when I came out as pansexual, she was the first one. And so uh, she's actually my closest relative, like in distance wise right now. I'm in Tennessee and she's in Alabama. And I drove up to see her and her boy. She has two boys that are my nephews. And I got there and I was like, hey, like I kind of really want to take you to dinner. I want to have some things I want to talk to you about and just go over with you. And so we went to dinner that night and we were sitting there just talking about normal stuff and then I was like all right like there's something I've been wanting to tell you I'm not really sure how to tell you I'm not really sure how you're going to take it I was like I'm transgender like I'm going to start my transition I'm going to like I'm going to become your brother and I mean right off the bat she was like man I already knew like I I not that I knew you, you were transgender but she was like I know you've always wanted to be a boy she's like I've recently learned about the community too and kind of you were the first first person that I thought of when I learned about the community um, and she even sat there, like, at the dinner table, like, helped me pick out names, like, helped me kind of figure out how I was going to tell my mom, um, like, asked about the process, how it was going to work. Um, and it, it was just great being able to go back and forth with somebody and somebody who's, like, actually excited for me and interested in for me and wanted to learn more about the process with somebody that's in my family. Um, so she she was really cool with it. And um, I can't imagine. Had, sorry, not to interrupt, but I can't imagine yeah, how after that dinner. How much of a weight was lifted off your shoulders with having oh, to so, be able so to tell much. someone and then just have an awesome, perfect response by your sister? That's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah, it was. I mean, just the fact that I knew I was going to have somebody in my corner. If she were to be the only one in my corner, that's fine. As long as I had somebody in my corner, like supporting me and being there for me. And I know that I had somebody's support. 
like was a huge, yeah, like you said, just like a huge weight off my shoulders. And then we actually went home after dinner and I typed up an email because unfortunately my parents live in Florida. So I wouldn't, I really didn't want to do it over a phone call. Um, and I knew I wouldn't be able to do it face to face before I actually started my transition. And I wanted to tell them before I started my transition. And so we sat down, I wrote out, typed out an email and she kind of helped me add or change things here and there that kind of made it easier for her. Like if she were to be reading it for the first time would help her understand better. Um, mm -hmm. which was nice having her there because she was able to be like, well, if I was reading this for the first time, if I was mom and dad, like I wouldn't understand this part or I wouldn't get this part or you might want to change this part. Oh, that's um, smart. Yeah. So that was, that was really nice that she was there to help me with that. And then I sent my parents the email uh, and I was terrified. I did not. <laughs> I mean, they, when I first came out as lesbian to my parents, like they were a little upset um, and it took them a little bit to come around, but eventually they'd come around and we're like, okay with it. Um, so I knew they'd be supportive, but I knew it would also come to a shock, especially for my mom, because I was the youngest of four. I was the baby girl. I was just always seen in her eyes as, the, like I said, the youngest, the baby girl. Just um, And so I didn't get a response for a few hours, and I was laying in bed that night, and I was actually about to fall asleep. And then all I got was a text message from my mom that said, we love you no matter what. And that was it. There was no questions, no nothing. Um, and I was okay with that. I was not about to press or I was not about to pull. Um, I was like, th they need time, obviously. But like just that simple text message meant the world that they were still going to love me for who I was, even though I was going to become their son. And then the last person in my family that I came out to was my brother, um, which I was a little intimidated for because he's actually a chaplain for the military. Mm -hmm. And so I was a little nervous to come out to him. And I even think at, at this time he was actually in Afghanistan. So I wasn't able to call him or anything. I think I had to like send him a Facebook message or something like that just so he could get it. Just kind of explaining, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is what's happening. Um, I just wanted to let you know, yada, yada, yada kind of thing. And then his response was probably one of the my favorite ones. He, he responded. He was like, cool. I've always wanted a brother. <laughs> <laughs> Because there was three of us. There was my older oldest sister, my older sister, and then me, and then there was him. And so um, he was always been the only boy in the family. And so like, yeah, that was his response, which was which was great. It was like also a huge weight off my shoulder. I was like, oh, fantastic. Of course, I, I made mean, a laugh a little bit, but just the fact that that was his outlook on it with him, like I said, being a chaplain, being in the military, um, and whatnot, which was also cool. And then for the most part, coming out to my friends was kind of the similar response to my sister as my sister was like, oh, we kind of knew like you always wanted to be a guy like you always talked about it. We never knew if you're actually going to go through the process or not. But like, hey, like we're happy for you as long as you're happy. Um, and then my work was even like great about it. I kind of came out to them during one of our meetings. Their responses were great. And they were just like, all right, well, just let us know whenever you want to start like calling you a different name, using different pronouns which was fantastic because they were all on board and they were all like, okay with it. I mean, it took a little bit for everybody to get used to my name mm -hmm. and pronouns, obviously, especially at first, because like, obviously the changes, it wasn't like starting testosterone, boom, you have a beard and deep voice. Right. Um, so with it towards the beginning with me still having like a feminine voice and all that, it took a while, but um, for the most part, everybody learned pretty quickly and did their best to respect my pronouns and my name. Yeah, imagine so it's a great. part of habit too, you know, just right. daily, working with you daily and then yeah. getting, you know, stuck in, in your head. Well, it also doesn't help the fact that I work at like pretty much an all, I'm the only male in my hospital. And so like she, her, them and whatever are always like, 
the girls are always were the go-to words because we never had a male that worked in the hospital. Like our doctors are female, the vet techs are female, receptionists are female and everything. And so um, I think it was also just a cultural culture shock for the hospital, just having a male actually in the hospital. And for people listening, if you didn't pick up, he works at an animal hospital. Right. Yeah. Because we haven't said that. For, you know, yeah. 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 Because I've worked at animal hospitals in the past and it was always maybe one or two guys that were there me being one of them when I worked there. So I totally understand that. So it really sounds like it must have been so cool going into this and starting in transition, knowing that so many people have your back and supporting you. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a relief. I, I I did get some backlash from certain people and some hate, especially just starting out from like actual people that I knew, uh, which I knew was going to happen. I mean, I I was hoping it wouldn't, but they were just the kind of people. And I was like, well, if that's how you feel, then you're not somebody that I want in my life anyway. So yeah. thanks for kind of showing your true colors. Goodbye. Lucky enough for me, most of my, like I said, close friends and family who are important to me did not respond that way. And so I was like, this is why you are my close friends and you're my family. Like, this is why I love you and thank you for loving me. So once you start this and obviously you're the the typical thing is you're going hormone, hormones for a while. And then eventually for trans men, it's top surgery. Right. When did you decide to take this all public, though, and and make it a part of your your social media experience? Because that's where I would imagine the real hate can come from. Right. Honestly, I right away I did. I've never really been one to hide myself. Like like I said, being at my Christian college as a lesbian, I was out and proud. I didn't hide it. I didn't. I if I had girlfriends, I'd hold their hands walking around campus. Like you're not about to tell me what I can and can't do with my love life and myself. It got to the point with me wanting to transition, be called who I want to be called and letting people know that it was, I have had to hide myself for a long time. And now it's time for me to do something for myself and for my happiness. So I kind of was just like, I don't care what people think. I don't care what people are going to think. I don't care what people are going to do. This is for me. This is for my mental health. And I know this is what I need in my life and I'm going to do it. So honestly, I think it was even before I started my first shot or even had my appointment to get my testosterone that like on social media, I came out and I was like, Hey, for all of you just want to let you know, like I'm transgender. And I even like, I changed my name on my social media profiles. I was like, this is what I want to go by. Um, I know like some, I might lose some people in the process. Um, but this is for me, this is for my happiness. And like I said, honestly, it was right away that I came out publicly and it wasn't early on that I got so much hate because like I said I still was still new to it and whatnot it probably wasn't until a little bit down the road that I started to get and it wasn't so much on Facebook just because I have close friends and family on Facebook Mm -hmm. but more so on Instagram that I started getting the hateful comments the threats people in my messages telling me that I should just go commit suicide and that making terrible jokes that like the suicidal rate for transgenders is 50% and people are coming like, Oh, like well, we're 50% there. And it, and, and it's just terrible, terrible. And I mean, people honestly even giving me death threats, I mean, from anonymous accounts, obviously, so I couldn't track them back or anything like that, but people threatening me and giving me death threats for no reason. Um, I guess hoping that I would delete my account or not be out and proud about it and whatnot, but um, absolutely not would not stop me from, what I was doing and being public about everything. Yeah, I, I don't understand those people, how they have so much hate where they have to, to actually reach out and waste their time to attack someone they don't even know. Right. Like if you have the, the amount of time in your day to not only reach out, but you're making a whole fake account for 
something like you're going out of your way, you're making a fake account with a fake email and all that just to go onto somebody else's profile and just type crap about and just hate on who they are and what they're doing just for no reason. Like I don't, I, I've never understood it. Like if I don't agree with something you're doing, okay, great. You do you, I'm gonna do me. I really don't care. I'm not about to waste my time and go out of my way to make you feel bad about what you're doing and mm-hmm. then try to get other people to like hate on you as well. Yeah, it, it just boggles my mind. Oh yeah, same. What was the hardest part for you in this whole process post starting the transition? I mean, I would, I'm obviously recovery from surgery is usually the hardest, but was there a mental right. aspect to all of it? Um, there were multiple times that, I, especially when towards the beginning of the process when it was. I could somewhat pass as a male, but people could still tell. And so using the public restroom was terrifying mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, if I went into the women's restroom, I look like a guy. But if I go into the men's restroom and for some reason, like I, could, I you could still clock me or if I for some reason had to talk, I still had a feminine voice. And so I, I didn't feel safe in a lot of public restrooms. I actually did not use the men's restroom until I went to went out to one of the local gay bars here in Nashville at play. And that, that was the first place that I ever used the men's restroom. And it was probably the safest place that I felt that I could use the men's restroom. Yeah. Um, but probably that awkward, like I said, that awkward phase where I could kind of sort of pass as a male, but like I still kind of sort of look like a female. And so I got misgendered a lot. I got weird looks in public. I got, are you a boy or a girl questions a lot. I got, and, it, and that was a very hard time for me mentally physically and emotionally just with everything going on at the moment I never had there was never a moment that I was like I regret this I shouldn't have done this ever no matter how hard it got I was like all of this is going to be worth it I never regretted my decision um and then honestly now is actually a very 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 hard time for me because of my chest I've had um I've already had my top surgery done uh had complications with that had to get a revision done um, and then even after that revision, I'm still, um, there's still a little breast tissue on one of my, on one of the sides. And then the, my scarring around my areolas is, is, keeps messing up for some reason. And I'm having to go in for another surgery. And so unfortunately, my chest is one of the biggest things that I'm dysphoric about. And is also one of the biggest things that I get attacked for on social media, uh, making fun of my chest, how it looks, what it looks like and whatnot. And so Honestly, right now, mentally, it, it, it's been a strain on me. And I don't want to hide my chest because I am proud of what I've done. But on the other hand, it's also just like, this is one of my things that I'm most dysphoric about and I want to hide the most. So I'm, I have another surgery coming up May 29th, still on board to happen. And so I'm really excited about that. But I'm also really hoping that this is the last and final surgery uh, for my top surgery to have it completely done and heal normally and look like it's supposed to look. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully it goes through with the COVID-19 stuff. I know some places are starting to open up more. In this whole process, like I talked about learning about trans people and and the issues they they deal with. Some of the, the, for me, it's it's minor, I I guess, in a way. And that's probably not the right term. But one of the things that really caught me off guard is for, for trans men, the importance of the beard and the facial hair. There's, I am a football fan or a soccer fan. And one of the people in our group, he talked about recently shaving his beard and what it was like for him. When you were growing your beard, was it something that really was special for you? 
Is that a dumb question? No, no, it's not a dumb question. I think for me, I I don't, I can't really speak for the whole trans community, but for me, growing the beard was just for me a step closer to being able to pass. Unfortunately, my father doesn't have a very deep voice. My brother doesn't have a very deep voice, and so I kind of knew that my voice wasn't going to get very deep. I. Even now, like my voice is actually something that I'm still also dysphoric about. Um, even at work, I still get called ma'am on the phone. So, especially because my voice didn't get deep very fast, the beard was something that helped me cover my voice, especially obviously more so in person. And the beard was something that helped me get over that hump of, is he a boy? Is he like, is she a girl kind of thing? Because very rarely for me, after my beard started growing in, did I get misgendered? Did I get called ma'am? And so for me, like I said, that beard was kind of just that, that step over the awkward hump for me that just made me feel like I was passing, made me feel better about myself, helped me cover my voice, and then just stopped getting misgendered. And then I actually went through, I guess, I don't know, a midlife crisis um, and shaved my beard after my second top surgery, and um, I did not like it. Absolutely not. Uh, my mom even texted me and she was like, why did you shave your beard? And I said, I have no idea. I just wanted to see what it looked like. Cause my beard grew in so fast. Like I said, luckily for me, I think I had like almost a full beard by like six or seven months on testosterone. Um, and so I never really got to see what, how my face changed physically. And so I was like, well, I kind of want to see what it looked like. I wanted to like compare it to like my jawline and facial features before transitioning and whatnot. And then she even said, she's like, okay, cool. Don't ever do it again. (laughs) (laughs) So, and that's most people's reactions in my life. Like everybody that I work with, it's like, "Hmm," like jokingly, like maybe I'll like shave my beard off today. And everybody will literally stop what they're doing and just look at me and be like, no, you're not allowed. So yeah, the everybody, more than like 90% of the people in my life definitely agree that I look better with a beard. So um, I guess that's something else that's good for me with the beard because they think that I look better with facial hair. So that's funny. We're going to take a quick break. We will be back right after this. And we're back with Aiden Mann. I don't want to keep you too much longer. So I want to talk about how I first found you with this COVID-19 thing. Social media, you know, it's become really political. People started getting frustrated and angry, I think, even more than they were before. And so I sort of abandoned Twitter and Instagram and moved into TikTok. One of the first videos I saw on TikTok was you. And you had a video that you posted. And me being a dog lover, instantly fell in love with your account. And I followed you because you had a video of you showing how you wake up your dog one of your dogs that is blind and deaf. Right. Um, it was the sweetest thing I have ever seen. And like I said, dog videos, you're going to get a like every time I'm scrolling through TikTok. But just to see how you take care of Plum and um, just how you take care of her and to have a special needs dog that's that's deaf and blind. And I know dogs can get around that in some ways and mm-hmm. they're able to thrive. But just for you to be so sweet and and show this dog the love and like i told you before we started recording we don't deserve deserve dogs dogs are way better than we deserve so i loved how you treated her and you have another dog lola that i don't want to ignore Um, right but so i just want to talk about that and with tiktok i want to go into once again sharing your story sharing who you are for a community that at least in the in my algorithms obviously i'm going to get a lot of gay men and dogs and dad jokes which is what i get a lot of but i want to get 
that process about just being open and not only with your dogs, but with your, your story and who you are in a, in a very visual medium. Um, um, so first let's well, talk about the dogs. Okay. And you being an animal hospital worker, at, you must have tremendous amount of love for animals. I know that I've done that in the past and the people I worked with just, it, it and sorry, this is my little rant about animal hospitals. Animal hospitals get a lot of crap talked about them because the doctors want blood tests and all that stuff. But the doctors I've worked with aren't there to try to make money. They're actually there to help your animal. And so right. the the amount of tears that happen in the back because of your dog dying or, you know, whatever, your dog being sick, it, it happens. At least it happened in the vet hospitals I've worked at. Right. So let's, let's just talk about your dogs first. How did you get Plum? She was about uh, six, six, yeah, about six months old when um, I got her. But I actually met her when she was even younger than that. Um, my coworker um, works a lot with a lot of the deaf and blind rescues or just rescues in general. Um, and this rescue had happened to get her and her brother in and really didn't have any space for them. Um, and so they wanted, they were looking for somebody to foster them. And so she took them to her house and she was fostering them. Well, she brought Plum to work and everybody obviously at the hospital fell in love with Plum. She was just happy-go-lucky, little fluff ball running around, running into everything. And um, at first she was going to keep her um, and then she was going to foster the, the brother. Well, the brother got adopted pretty quickly, which was great. We were all happy for that. Um, and then so we kind of saw Plum at the hospital pretty frequently because she would bring him in to get all of her shots and this, that, and the other. Well, then she ac- accidentally ended up with like 15, 16 dogs in her house. <laughs> um, and then so kind of one of those things where she's like, well, I guess I'll like have to foster out a few other ones. Um, and then I, from her just being in the hospital, absolutely fell in love with her. And so she came in to get spayed. And then on that day is when my coworker told me, that she was going to have to like adopt her out. And right then and there, I was like, I will take her. I want, I want this dog. And so that's kind of how I came to own Plum. I had no idea what I was getting into. I had never owned a disabled pet uh, or anyone with special needs. I, I just knew that I loved Plum and I knew that Lola and I would give her a great home. And so, and, and Lola is good with every dog, every dog she's ever met. She loves to play with them she just loves them in general and loves 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 puppies and so the next day or around that time I brought Lola up to work um, to meet Plum and of course they got along great and so then the day that I brought Plum home Lola was excited Plum loved it here Um, she learned her way around really quick and obviously with the help of Lola as well and then just kind of just fit right in Um, things were difficult at first (laughs) because I like I said never had a dog with special needs, so I really didn't know how to get her to follow me or how to get her to go in certain directions, and potty training was obviously a feat, but just kind of with trial and error and whatnot, we kind of learned how to communicate in our own special way, and that's how the whole kind of blowing in the face thing come about, because multiple times I'd come home from work, and she'd be passed out on the couch, and I'd go over and I'd try to like pet her softly or whatever. And it would startle her to the point where she'd actually pee herself because she would get so scared. Oh no. Um, and so I was like, I, I was like, I can, I felt so bad. And I was like, I just don't know what to do. And like, I tried putting like a treat in front of her nose. And then like, sometimes she'd be in such deep sleep that she wouldn't even smell it. And she wouldn't wake up from that. Or 
I would try to like put my hand in front of her nose or, and, and like nothing worked. And it, it would either be, either it wouldn't be strong enough to wake her up or it was too strong and it would startle her and scare her. And so I kind of learned that if I would just can't stand a little bit away from her and just kind of softly blow on her, whether she'd be on the couch or wherever, that it would it still startle her a little bit, but like not to the point where it'd make her pee, but it'd also wake her up. And then she would just get up and be excited that dad was home. <laughs> um, but yep, and ever since then, everything's been a lot easier since we've learned to communicate. Yeah, they are the cutest dogs. With TikTok, what do you... What do you find gets the most reaction and, and most positive reaction for the most part? Your your dog videos, just your thirst videos, or your <laughs> trans story videos? So it's kind of give or take, depending on the video, and I guess depending on whose For You page it shows up on. Yeah. Um, obviously, Plum's video got an exponential amount of love. I mean, I think got like over 13 million likes and over like 56 million views or some some crazy number like that. And then 90% of the comments on there were positive. Then you have the people that are telling me that the way I'm waking up my dog is incorrect. The <laughs> fact that I'm even keeping alive a deaf and dying dog is like, I'm a terrible person for that. Um, oh, wow. And that, yeah, and that there's, there's better ways and I should be doing it this way and I should be doing it that way. And for the most part, I just ignore those because you're not my dog. You don't know our connection. You don't know what I have and have not tried. So please don't try to tell me how to raise my dog. Yeah. Um, and then kind of the same thing on the trans community side, you have the positive comments that are like, wow, it's awesome what you're doing. Thank you for like showing yourself or like, because of you, like I've been like, I've been okay with the thought that I'm transgender or I've come out to so-and-so because of you or like, thank you for showing your strength. You've shown me that it's okay to be who I am. Um, and, and non-transgender people just saying, wow, like I've honestly learned more about the transgender community just from your page than in general in my whole entire life. So I think from that aspect, it's great for educational aspect. It's great. And advocacy as aspect, aspect, it's great. Um, but then you also have the people on there of the comments saying, you'll never be a real man, calling me a she, calling me a female, um, saying, uh, let's look at the DNA because that still says that you're a girl. Hateful comments like that just because I guess that it, and so it's like I said it's just give or take and kind of depends on who's for you page that I end up on yeah I, I don't get the people that want to be an asshole you know it's just like who cares what DNA says you know does right. it really matter um and nope. then like I, I know I, yeah, on Instagram what was that no I said no I don't I definitely don't get it um because I know on Instagram you've all you also shared um a post and it probably sounds like it was related to some of these responses you get where you had a sort of like a, a torso photo and you just talked about, you know, misgendering and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I just don't understand the people that go online to be hateful or the experts that think they know better and they want to correct you on how to handle your own dog. And it, it just, what a waste of time for those people. <laughs> Right. Like, if you like the video, like it and leave a positive comment. If you don't, like, keep scrolling. Keep scrolling. Like, I, don't, I don't understand what's so hard about that. Yeah. I, I want to let you go. And I, before I ask the final question, I ask all the guests, I want to give you a chance to tell people where they can reach you um, on socials. Uh, my Instagram name is Aiden, A-I-D-E-N underscore M365. And I want to say it's the same for like Instagram, Twitter, 
uh, TikTok. I think I think it's all the same. It's just Aiden A I D E N underscore M three six five. Cool. So my final question is this: Like I said, I ask everybody if you can go back in time and you can tell your 12, 13 year old self, you know, something to help you with transition to maybe, you know, quicker, faster, healthier, whatever it is. It sounds like your transition was pretty good, but what's that one thing you could think of that could help you and maybe help other kids that are listening to this? Probably to be patient and trust the process. When I first started my transition, I wanted everything now. I I didn't want to wait. I didn't want the changes to come slowly um and i and i just wanted i didn't get to really enjoy the process of it actually happening and enjoy the journey um if i look back i would definitely say like slow down enjoy the process let the changes happen slowly because i mean as much as we want it to happen if we woke up one day and we had a full-blown beard I, it would it'd be such a shock so the fact that it is it is a good thing that the process does happen somewhat slowly and eventually and over time um, because in the long run it'll be better for you your mental health and it'll be better for the people around you Aiden thank you so much for taking the time today and talking with me I really had a good good chat with you thank you and uh, so did I I hope you guys all enjoyed my chat with Aiden Aiden thank you again for taking time to to chat with me a few days ago it was a lot of fun and um, I hope for the people listening, you got something out of it hearing his story. That is it though. I have a couple interviews I'm working on for the next couple weeks. I don't know which one will be next week, but I'm either going in the direction of hockey or lacrosse. We will find out next Tuesday. Until next time though, have a great week.